0: You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa. Hi, welcome to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast. I'm your host, Peter Defty, with today's guest being um, Dr. Kathy Dudick, uh, who is a trauma surgeon and trauma director in the. Where are you exactly, Kathy?
1: Um, well, right now I work outside of Philadelphia um, in a level two trauma center. I'm not trauma director anymore. Uh, I'm just your garden variety trauma center. I stepped down from the director position at my other hospital um, just to have more time at home. But um, I work at a level two trauma center uh, outside of Philadelphia.
0: Yes, and and you're right there in the outskirts of the hotspot of New York City, correct? You're you're working some hospitals that are getting a lot of the transfers.
1: Yes, I live in New Jersey, and in addition to my trauma work, I do critical care work, which means I take care of people in the ICU because I'm boarded in surgery, but also boarded in critical care medicine.
0: Okay, so for the folks... Kathy is the real George Clooney of ER. I mean, she's the real deal. She does it. That's at least that's my interpretation of her. She probably thinks differently. <laughs> she's too modest to say so. But this is a this is a person who goes in to critical situations and saves lives. Sometimes she loses them, right, Kathy? Sometimes you lose a few.
1: Sometimes we do.
0: Yep. But this is the real deal working in the real hot spots. Now I want to give a little bit of context to our story because today what we want to have a conversation about started years ago when we first met at a metabolics conference in Florida. And when Kathy and I met and I told her what I was doing, she immediately got it. And since that time, we've been having this running conversation for the last five or six years about people's physiology and metabolism and how the health of the nation really needs to change. So yeah, um, the conversation we're going to have today probably is going to circulate around COVID-19, but the greater context of this conversation has been ongoing. And since we've been having these conversations, it's been this running theme of, of getting people back to that um, physiology and met- metabolism that this little thing called evolution uh, designed us for or made us into. And so this is not a new subject to us. And we've had this conversation for years. And I've been trying to get get it to the point where Kathy and I are on to talk about it, because I think people would love to hear these conversations. I know I love talking with Kathy about these, and we finally have made that happen. So Kathy, your thoughts?
1: Yes, I would like to... Uh, talk about COVID-19 in a way that a lot of people aren't talking about it. Um, I think it the, the current pandemic just gives us the opportunity to bring what we've been talking about for years now front and center. And it's really frustrating for me because people are so distracted by everything external to themselves, that they continue to ignore the most important player in this whole pandemic, and that's their own selves, their own bodies, and their minds, actually. And, you know, I came to that Metabolics Conference by way of my own aha moment when, you know, standing in the ICU one day I was chairman of the Department of Critical Care, I love physiology, I love the ICU, but what I saw was as soon as I would empty a bed, another patient would fill it, and that day was special in my mind back in about 2013 because... I had asked to discharge a patient from the ICU, and when I came up later, I thought he was still there. I was looking at him, and then I was told, no, that's another patient. But they, like, looked exactly the same, and increasingly, uh, (laughs) the patients started to look more and more like me, or perhaps I should say I started to resemble the patients more and more. And that really started my journey because I had to ask myself what's going to keep me from becoming one of them and so much of what we're going to talk about today I want to assure you that is everything that I have road tested my very self I have been the experiment and that's important because my experience in medicine was telling other people what to do but I really didn't know how to tell them to do it. And I wasn't following the, much of the advice that I was giving because by virtue of who I am, I've been an athlete, a runner all my life. And so I'm naturally slender. I have the personality that is um, uh, shaped from a family of people who are in the military who are very disciplined. And so I'm tough and I'm thin. And when you see a person like that, you kind of assume that they're healthy. And it wasn't the case at all. I kind of looked like a thin, healthy person on the outside, but I was fat and unhealthy on the inside. And so what I'm going to talk to you about is what I've learned over the course of these past seven or eight years. And unfortunately, most of it I didn't learn in medical school. I learned physiology in medical school. And I learned it only so that then I could recognize more quickly its derangement. Because what medicine is, is the study of disease. And I was an expert at disease. And at, And I was taught, uh, because of the specialty I chose, that my response to disease was pharmaceuticals and interventions. So I can cut you open and fix you, which, of course, sometimes is necessary. You know, the acute illnesses and acute problems that we face often are the things in my mind now that are best served by technology and modern medicine. But the chronic diseases that we develop over time are underappreciated and People are given the impression that they are a victim of their genetic code. They're a victim of their DNA. And what I will tell you categorically is that is absolutely untrue.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I agree with you. Everybody wants to go to that as the default. And, you know, they, people need to understand is their genetic lines that got them here today to existence were shaped by evolution and and it was tough it made us tough and made us very robust
1: yeah you're you only have a set number of genes and when they finished mapping the genetic code they were surprised to find that you have like a five fold num- less less number of genes than you do actual proteins that are expressed that we know of so that means that you know you know, it's not a one to one ratio so there's not a gene for every protein so what that means is that different proteins are expressed by the variation of genes that are expressed together and that code can be read if you think of a of a your genetic code kind of like as a long train full of lots of cars and when you're writing a code for a protein you can use some or all or any combination of those cars as, as the, uh, the reader, you know, would go down that strand, you know? And so it's quite clear we know now, and I, I also wanted to say from the outset that everything I'm going to speak to you is not my conjecture, but it's published data. And the problem that I find is uh, twofold. Either, uh, some of the journals that this Information is published in are more considered less mainstream, and because they're less mainstream, they're considered less reliable, and that's also not true. Um, but also, some of it is is hidden or can't be published because of uh, the competition and the um, uh, the politics of of science today. So you have to get to um, and understanding that I, I try you you it's it's really easy now for you to do a lot of your own research. And it's not as simple as just reading something and then extrapolating a conclusion that's reliable. But what I would ask you to do is keep an open mind and know that everything that I will say I could substantiate with a paper or some data. So what we know from epigenetics is that it is your environment that shapes who you are, and who you become, and that includes your physical environment, how that bears on your body itself, and how it bears on your mind, how your thoughts also, because your thoughts also shape what proteins are expressed, and everything you experience, every thought, every emotion you experience is mediated by a chemical in your body, so the question was, is it the chicken or the egg, has for the most part been answered, or um, Rather, I, I should say, is it is it nurture or nature? We know from lots of studies that it's it's nurture. Nurture is what shapes who you are. And you are not inevitably going to have something because your parents had it. What you said about evolution is very, very true. The reason we seem to be like our parents is because we are usually raised in the physical environment of our parents, and they have. Established patterns of behavior, ways of thinking, ways of eating, ways of moving that are passed on to us from the minute we start to uh, grow in utero. And that's it, makes a lot of sense because we are going to have to, as a young baby, we are going to have to survive in that same environment. So it makes sense that we would easily take on the characteristics of those who have survived to procreate in that environment. So when I talk to you about your ability to harness your intrinsic and very intelligent physiology and your ability to change if how you are today is not making you feel good, have 100% certainty that change is possible and it can happen very, very quickly. And you need very, very little outside of yourself. You just have to use your body the way it was meant to be used.
0: Yeah, so essentially, let's distill this down, it's really our nurture that determines our nature in terms of gene gene expression.
1: Exactly. Our, yes. our physical reality um, that we experience when we're small, up to about the age of seven, seven, eight, that's when you know, think of all the things you have to learn. That's the time when everything is shaping who you are and then beyond that you start to have filters and um but start to uh, have and have judgment but for the most part the patterns are set very very early on
0: yeah so kathy um going back to our meeting and all this you know you you start we started talking a lot and working together and you eventually became a client but um one of the things that you got initially on was how you know this whole idea of optimizing your fat metabolism, getting because lipids are the way our bodies not only power us in terms of our basic aerobic energy, but also in terms of cell maintenance, cell repair, cell growth, hormones, etc. Um, and and you've you've gone from being just a runner to being an Ironman triathlete. I mean, and you've you know, I remember you sharing with me some of these experiences, these aha moments as you not only started to recall your, your physiology and started to put those pieces together in your mind, but experience them in your training and, and how this applies to getting us back to that physiological and metabolic model that nature shaped us for and where we are now. And and, and as you say, where we are particularly now with this little wake-up call we're getting.
1: Yes. I, again, speaking from my personal experience, you know, I was just amazed at what has been left out of the medical textbooks when it comes to nutrition and physiology and mitochondria. And uh, really, it makes perfect sense, you know, that, if we only carry a, a very short uh, supply of glucose, that that is not our fuel to move all day long uh, predominantly. We uh, are a species that is made to move. We ha- have a nuchal ligament. We stand upright and we can move all day at quite a good clip. And we can sweat. We can regulate our body temperature. And the primary source for that uh long enduring movement is fat, and you know if you look at the Krebs cycle uh the way it's taught in in most uh classes that's the the cycle where we talk about how we generate uh, ATP um, our the energy adenosine triphosphate in you know they totally leave out fatty acids, and uh, my experience has been uh That as I have learned to enhance the capacity for which my body uses fat, I have gotten stronger and uh, faster and felt amazing and have reversed a lot of what we would normally be encouraged to accept as a normal process of aging and the limitations that come with that. So yeah, you
0: bring up a you bring up a really good point because you're right um 3 quarters or more of the textbooks out there it's when they depict the krebs cycle it only they only show glucose feeding into that.
1: That's correct. And so our bodies you know can use fat very efficiently and you know for me as a trauma surgeon a lot of this uh also came out of my research into uh traumatic brain injury, and, you know, what's fascinating is that the injured brain uh, prefers ketones, actually, and can use them and doesn't need, doesn't have the constraints it has to use glucose, and in fact, um, you know, Dom Diagostino has done uh, quite a bit of nice work uh, on the use of ketones in uh, stress situations. And uh, the body actually prefers um, fat metabolism. The problem is, is that we've, we've evolved to a point culturally and socially where we don't have to hunt for our food. But physiologically, we're still ancient and, uh, equipped to do the, the, do that very thing, to hunt all day, um, to eat, uh, and to then fast and until we can score, uh, another meal again. So, um, we're not as evolved physically as we think, uh, from our answer ancestors in that regard. And what's fascinating to me is to think about where we could take this in the future. A lot of the stuff that you're doing with Vespa, uh, Peter, and how can we, um, you know, what the modern era allows us is not only to get back to where our bodies can sustain us as it did, you know, a hundred thousand years ago, but how could we then, without the pressure of survival, how could we what, to what extent could we uh, perform? How could, what, you know, what level could we really perform at? Because we don't have to worry about surviving anymore. We just go to the refrigerator. Uh, so yeah, I see it kind of as if life has come full circle. The very things, the very way we ate uh, to survive uh, became a necessary uh, the, the things we had to do to survive became unnecessary, but now our modern lifestyle is killing us. And this, this generation has the potential, is on track to have children die before their parents because of the, the, the um, acceleration of chronic disease, because of, predominantly because of obesity um, and, yeah. being, and even if you're not, quote, obese, being over fat, carrying too much body fat for your frame and the uh, visceral fat uh, in particular, that's the fat that's on the inside surrounding your organs and the fat that gives me aching triceps when I have to literally be elbow deep in somebody's abdomen and, and wading through. I mean, it just makes everything harder.
0: Well, uh, you get the, you get to see this full on in, in these trauma surgeries, right? When you get a gunshot wound to the yes. abdomen, you're opening somebody up, and it's yes, just I visceral fat.
1: Yeah, I see an obese person on my OR table or in my trauma bay, and I just know how much harder everything will be, uh, how much harder it is to get in, How how much slower to get in, how much harder it is to retract, how much more difficult, just anatomically how much more difficult everything is on top of how much more difficult everything is at the cellular level because these people don't heal as well and we just know their white blood cells just don't work and I say these people I mean and it's I'll have to apologize now that if I hurt anybody's feelings because that's not my intention um but what what really can hurt your feelings if I say to you is, you know, or I have to say to your family, well, they just didn't make it. And you have a much, think about it. I mean, it makes perfect sense. There are so many reasons why you have a much better chance of making it through some kind of horrific trauma. If you're an Olympic athlete, than if you're the average American, you know, who is overweight and out of shape. And, um, you know, so hearing that, hey, and I'm going to tell you right now, being fat is not okay. One of the things that really gets to me is the fact that it's not okay, and if there's if it's okay for anybody in the world to say it, it's it's okay for a doctor to say it. Because it's not okay. And again, I'm not talking about something I don't know. I was unfit. And I was fat on the inside and uh that's a very real thing so it's not okay if these shows that that you know the reality shows that glamorize and and you know almost applaud these people for being uh happy and successful despite their weight are not okay and
0: yeah and and it it's really clear I mean, this is a disruptive podcast we're doing, Kathy, so hopefully the, the, the listeners are <laughs> ready for some 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 of this. But um also people need to understand it's not just their fault, it is their responsibility because it is their body, but we've been sold and told a bunch of well intended but misguided information.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, we're not there's no judgment here and there's no finger pointing except for me i can point to the medical establishment because i'm in it and i feel like i i and i I stay in it you know there are a lot of doctors out there that have a lot of good advice there are a lot of fitness experts that are doctors but they've never touched a patient and what i'm telling you is i speak to you from the front lines and i have practiced medicine uh, for almost 25 years surgery (laughs) And you're now
0: you're an air you're an Air Force uh trained doc, right? So you saw action as a a combat surgeon? I I take it? at oh, some, was, some level? I no, was I
1: was never deployed uh overseas. I was in the Air Force during a relatively quiet time in our in our nation's history and um but they did put me through medical school and I was very proud to serve uh stateside and take care of our uh our soldiers and their families. Um and i had finished my full obligation before uh the current uh problems started but um medicine has to face the respon- that you know face the the fact that they allow people to think that they're victims of their d- dna and that there's no sense there's kind of this overwhelming underlying you know, thought that, well, I could be a runner, but look at my dad. He, you know, he was healthy. Look at him. And, you know, just to bring in the COVID thing right now, the people that are most at risk are people with chronic disease. So it's not that COVID is killing people as much as it is that these people with chronic disease, uh, who are out of, sh- who are unfit and predominantly overfat, uh, have very very weak immune systems and so with there's so much focus on the external and people are worried about masks but they take their masks off in the safety of their home to eat junk food and I'm very concerned about this uh sheltering in place effect on people's health because people are sitting at home more they're more sedentary than ever they're eating more than ever, and they're stressed more than ever. and that's They're eating
0: comfort foods. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's
1: like a biomechanical and, and chemical recipe for disaster. So if they think it's bad now, most people, I'm saying, you know what, now's your opportunity to get ready for the cold and flu season that will come back in October, and if it's not SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus they're blaming uh, on COVID-19, uh, then it's it will be another virus. And and you have to know that when this pandemic is over, there will be another. You know, these viruses uh, wander around in the animal population. And there's there's good evidence that many healthy people in the marketplaces, say where the avian flu or, or SARS-CoV-1 uh, kind of, popped up. There were people two years prior to that pandemic uh, that had been infected and were positive if they, you know, they were tested and they weren't sick. So whether the, there are lots of viruses that come in and out of your system and and from other species and can't uh, survive in this host or can't thrive in a human host, but viruses mutate and You know, I tell people it's not like these things are like hanging out in your bushes waiting to hop on top of you, you know, as soon as you walk by. This is about nature, and this happens all the time. So the whole way it's been presented from the media to the public has been has missed a great opportunity to educate people. And this is basically, you know, if you've ever done something wrong, kind of were secret about it, you know, when you're a teenager and your mom finally found out and it was time to pay the piper, you had to face the music. This is us having to face the music for allowing ourselves to get into a state of being sedentary and unhealthy with weak immune systems. So again, there's no judgment. I'm not yelling at you, but I am begging you to change what you're doing. And that's well, where you- Peter, yeah, has has come in and helped me be a really strong, physically strong individual. And uh, that's where um, giving yourself metabolic, metabolic depth and strength and uh, allowing your body to uh, have a very high concentration of healthy, highly functional mitochondria, uh, the importance of that cannot be understated.
0: Yeah, so um, one of the thoughts that came to mind is something you said the other day on your live Facebook chat, or, or you said to me in a conversation. And it's, it's like you said, you're in the ICU. um, You're doing your, your turns in both hospitals. And, and by the way, folks, Kathy's insisting really started to ramp up in that area. She's been working overtime. She's hardly getting any training in. I'm coaching her and I'm seeing all the blocks of work she's doing. She, she looks exhausted today um, because she's really upped her game. I mean, this is the ultimate endurance event, but um, back to the subject at hand, she said to me, or, or said on our live thing, she's seeing Kathy. You were saying you were seeing people that are that are before even before COVID nineteen. They're being kept alive through a medical miracle, and I want you to discuss that. But before that, I want to pretext something that that we need to say. We're not here to bash modern medicine because it is a it is a miracle in acute situations. Um, I just find it fascinating how we're keeping people alive that should be de- should be dead, uh, and then you got these people who are trying to be super fit and healthy, worrying about whether they should have organic produce or grass fed meat because they think that if they eat uh, conventional produce or or conventionally fed grain finished beef, they're going to die of something. And it's kind of this 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 wide berth of thought processes, and so. Um, I really want you to speak to that part of your profession right now, where you know you guys are able to do literally miracles and bring back people from the dead. I mean, people that should be dead. You're, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost in a reg- religious sense. It's kind of interesting.
1: Yes, it really is. I have seen such a evolution of critical care, and I, you know, that's ICU medicine in my career. When I was a young surgeon in training in the early 90s, we didn't, critical care, ICU medicine wasn't even a specialty. And people with certain diseases like cirrhosis, uh, cancer, colon cancer, um, heart disease, it was just rare to, usually people had like one of them and they often died, you know, it was not. It was unusual to see somebody with cirrhosis or a significant heart disease or uh, diabetes in, in their 50s or certainly in their 60s in the ICU. And to the credit of so many amazing researchers, um, we can keep people alive now. What you see is people coming in in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, with all of those diseases, and they're still alive. And it's unbelievable. Uh, So the problem now that we get into is I often find myself in a position where I can keep somebody alive indefinitely, but I really can't get them better. And uh, the evolution of our ethics and the conversation about end of life has not evolved as fast as our technology. I saw a picture in Google news the other day was very dramatic. You know, it's like pictures, scenes from the week, you know, week, uh, week six or whatever it is of the quarantine. And there were two, uh, and it was focused on New York city. I'm about 60 miles South of New York city there were two medics in a patient's apartment living room bending over the patient to take them to the hospital. You know, that's what the caption said, you know, first responders answering the call. But the striking thing about the photograph was all you could see of the patient were uh, his or her knees and the legs were bent up um, and they were emaciated, and the bed they were bending over, the bed in the living room of this patient's apartment was a hospital bed. So here you have someone who is either in a a very advanced disease state that has caused significant muscle wasting with uh, a hospital bed in their home being taken now to the hospital, where surely, if this person, you don't even need to get a, a uh, infection with SARS-CoV-2. Pretty much any infection is is quite menacing to a person like this, and so these are the kinds of people that are dying, and the, all of the statistics around this virus pandemic are off because We've never really gotten a good handle on the denominator. You know, that's the number on the bottom showing how many people are actually infected. And then you can say, depending on how many people we know are dying, what the death rate is. And it's quite possible that, and there are some people that are reputable saying, well, this is probably no more deadly than, than regular old influenza. But we have a certain degree of immunity built up. And so we don't get as sick and certainly not as quickly. So, you know, medicine is amazing. And particularly, as I said earlier, for an acute problem, you're in a car accident, you're shot, you have a sudden occlusion of your coronary artery. What we can do now is quite remarkable. And uh, the question is, how much of it should we be doing and for whom should we be doing it and these questions have not been answered well. And this is another gift, if we can say that, of this pandemic, that we need to start talking to each other. Who's talking? You know, you've had, I've had these 80, 90-year-old people who have had, let's say they don't even start talking about it till their 30s. They've had 50 or 60 years to decide how they want the ends of their lives to play out. And these are discussions that are not just one and done, but they evolve, and uh, people aren't having the conversations. And it's very difficult to make end of life decisions for somebody with whom you've never had a conversation, and now you can't because they have a breathing tube down their throat. And uh, most living wills are are very very um, unhelpful. They're too. They're too. Uh, uh, Kind of obscure, so modern medicine—it's a gift and a curse at the same time. Um, and the best thing we can do is stay out of the hospital and stay healthy. And that's really more fun to talk about.
0: Yeah, well, we want to turn—we want to turn the conversation in that direction. Um, but we we really do need to frame it in the the terms of this, you know, current situation. And it's like you say, you know, I look at this as part of that whole evolutionary cycle of life uh, thing, except with a little bit of human-induced leverage put in it. Um, so this is you know, it's a it's a fairly uh, you know what makes this this particular virus so bad is is its transmissibility and and it's really a numbers game. you know. So many more people can get infected, so if that many more people get infected, those who are at risk and as we're talking right now aren't metabolically fit, especially with their immune system or their respiratory system are, are at huge risk with this, this disease. It seems to um, not affect a certain population of, of healthy individuals, and, but others who are at risk, it really grabs onto. And, and so we need to be looking at everything Yeah, that's
1: true of anything, you know. Um, For the most part, if you have a healthy immune system, you're resilient. And I think enhancing your innate resiliency is is where people need to focus. Um, And, yeah, you want to, because truth be told, you know, it's the best thing you can do to fight this virus is wash your hands, right? Wash your hands. And we've been saying that in medicine for 30 years. So, um, you know, what people can take away from the first part of this discourse is that it's okay. everybody can calm down a little bit and not be so worried because you do have so much more control than you think. And you don't really need to go buy anything or do anything um, that's expensive or really that time-consuming. I mean, yeah. you you have it all inside of you already. You just have to, I tell people the first step is to stop hurting yourself and then we can start helping yourself. So we have to repair and then we can enhance and that's that, really what your program does.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point, but let's let's just do a couple of things here. First, let's talk about right now because that's on everybody's mind and then let's take that big three steps back to what's really really at the heart of it which is exactly what you're saying and and first um you know i think that uh for people who are listening to this the covid thing varies across the country you have places like where kathy lives which is close to the new york city area and people are traveling with subways buses crowded sidewalks um where the population density is really high, well, the transmissibility is going to be a lot higher. So you may consider wearing a mask if you can't avoid that level of contact. But um, if you're living out in, say, West Texas, um, (laughs) you know, the whole idea of of self-isolation is seen more as a mental health crisis (laughs) than, than something you do to prevent COVID transmission.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's... What you're,
0: and I think here, here that's also relevant is, um I think the audience needs to hear from me. But here's Kathy, who is literally living in the 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 depths of COVID. I mean, she is constantly around seriously compromised COVID patients, and and. I'm worried more about her getting run down than anything else. She's maintained her resiliency. Uh, she is either not been infected or is asymptomatic, depending on what she doesn't know because they're not testing her because they don't want her to be tested and not have to come to work because they need her. Uh,
1: well, we, that need we, you, Kathy. we only have a certain number of tests, and so if you're not symptomatic. Uh If you're not, let's say, you know, we have to use the logic. If you're not symptomatic and you're positive, then your PPE will protect everybody else. If you're uh, negative and not symptomatic, you don't need to be tested and your PPE will protect you from everybody else. So if the PPE works, and it does, then it's either... It's not only protecting you from others; it's protecting others from you because, indeed, we know that there are a lot of positive asymptomatic people, and um, you know it's like the same with MRSA and other things that can be transmitted. Um, So, uh, so what what are
0: your for for you living in living in the depths of this? You're I mean you're obviously using all the PPE. protection in with when you're on your shift in duty but what about at home and in your daily life
1: yes we're you know we're self-quarantining we're not going out um just to get essential food we're careful about um again washing hands washing packages things like that just the general things but more importantly i'm not afraid because i I concentrate on keeping myself healthy, my immune system. I'm, we're doing things a little bit. That's probably where most of our energy is going. Is how, are we eating enough right? Are we sleeping enough? Are we, I've added a few extra things like liposomal vitamin C. I'm taking some IV vitamin C weekly, regularly, you know, things that just because, um, I do get a little bit, uh The very thing that I'm doing now, which is working more around a population that will expose me more, keeps me from doing one thing that I love that's good for my mental sanity and for my personal immunity, and that's my Ironman training, right? Because we train in a way that doesn't run us down. So not only uh, have I learned to eat in a way that enhances my physiology, but we learn to train our bodies in a way that doesn't, uh, hurt us because a lot of the no pain, no gain, high, very high, uh, aerobic, um, capacity, uh, workouts, high intensity workouts actually can leave you biochemically looking on the inside, like one of my trauma patients. So we've learned now with heart rate and whatnot, how how to not hurt yourself with exercise? So well, and that
0: includes the you know when you make that fundamental shift to burning a lot more fat, you 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 create less uh, oxidative stress, less um, uh, lactate load, and all those other things that really um, cause a lot of damage on a cellular level.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to repair as much, and when what you do repair, you you repair much easier. So. Um, so I'm not really, and I think the mental game can't be underestimated either. Because again, chemically, you have two modes. You have growth mode and you have survival mode. And biochemically, you're either in the high cortisol, insulin resistant, high uh, adrenergic, the adrenaline level. That, that's the fear mode, the flight or fight mode where you actually need glucose, right? That's where you shut down uh, all the blood flow to your viscera and, and you just, you don't respond, you just react and get out of the threat environment, that's one, that's the only, that's one way, and the only other way is opposite of that, where you're kind of quiet, and you're at peace, and you're joyful, you're in the high serotonin, uh, the high melatonin, the, um, the parasympathetic, the growth phase, the anabolic phase, that kind of, so, and, and your mindset dictates a lot of that. Humans are unusual in that they can recreate the threat in their mind even though they're sitting in their living room. So focusing on all these things is critically important. So, um, but you know, the hospitals are being very good about giving us our gear, uh, and, uh, you know, this is what I, this is what I do. So, um, sleep is is the always the great problem. Um, well, as a as
0: a as a trauma surgeon, you do some night twelve hour night shifts and twenty four hour shifts. And right now, you know, I I see your schedule and it's 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 absolutely crazy. And, yeah, and, and you're you holding know, trauma
1: up. Trauma statistically trauma statistically comes in between eleven p.m. and two a.m. and it, it hasn't stopped. Despite the fact there are less cars on the road and things like that, it just trauma just changes. So now you have lots of people are doing home, they're working through their to-do list, so they have all these home improvement projects, so they're falling. Uh, elderly people aren't getting as many visits, so they're falling. They're having more issues at home. Uh, people, we, we know statistically domestic violence, child abuse, um, assault, that kind of thing is on the rise. People are, you know, stressed. Um, so yeah, but I do hold up because of the, you know, the attention to, um, enhancing my own immune system and that's, that's better than any mask. I do use a mask, but that's better than any mask and it's better than, uh, you know, any plastic gown or, or, uh, hood, you know, that I can, and certainly equally as important, but I think it's more important.
0: Well, and that's that's where, we're, where we really kind of want to go with this ex- exactly is is that now let's talk about, you know, getting in shape and what, what people should be doing to um, bolster themselves all around, not just their immune system, but their their physical, mental performance, um, you know, et cetera.
1: Right. Well, and we, you know, most people that are on this, listening to this, uh, know our bias which is uh fat a fat bias as fat as fuel and i i believe 100% that it's based in good physiology and um there's plenty of science out there uh Dr Finney Dr uh Diagostino uh Dr uh Maffetone, uh, you Peter, all these guys are not only been preaching it for decades, but they live it, and I I live it now. And you got to stop eating junk. And uh, people, the problem is people don't think of junk food as sugar, but that's basically what it is—the very high glycemic comp. Uh, simple carbohydrates that you know, again, people have stocked their homes with pastas and breads and rice and you know in the Costco today, rice, the fifty pound bag of rice, it said limit one. I was like, limit one <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like, holy mackerel, you know.
0: Why are they even selling this stuff?
1: Yeah, and you know the when we met at that metabolic conference I, I did a presentation with Dr. Mapitone and presented a poster on what we feed patients in the hospital. And you look at the, they call it the nourishment cart. And again, this is, you know, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I am afraid to talk about this stuff publicly. Um, because like I said, a lot of the people that talk about it aren't treating patients. They're not employed by a hospital system. And I am. And so, so be it. But I would be reckless, and I would be unethical if I didn't speak about it. But on the nourishment cart, I'll tell you what we have. And if you've ever had surgery or procedure or had a loved one in the hospital, you know what's on it. Cranberry juice, apple juice, saltines, pretzels. The Lorna Dunes aren't as bad because they're really high in fat. They're shortbread, right? But those Lorna Dunes, but a jello. We have broth. The broth is pretty good because it's like there's no sugar in it, but there's no salt either, right? But salt is demonized. Fat is demonized. But here we are, you know, giving somebody a bypass to their heart, four vessels of their heart from because of atherosclerosis. And postoperatively, we're feeding them sugar, the very thing that caused the hardening of their arteries to begin with. And we're giving them statins, like don't get me started on statins, uh, where you have demonized cholesterol. Cholesterol is, you know, if you look at uh, Dave Feldman's work on cholesterolcode.com, we know that you can tell him or me or you, Peter, what, have someone tell us what they'd like our, our fasting cholesterol to be on Friday. And you can eat in a certain way starting on uh, Tuesday to make that cholesterol come out, however you like. Um, those of us that can manipulate our our lab work based on how we change our fat intake, and yet cholesterol has is demonized, and it, they don't tell people that cholesterol is the foundation of your hormonal system. It's the foundation of uh, your immunity. Yeah,
0: well, it's um, the foundation for everything because cholesterol is really, you know. Uh, lipoproteins, phospholipids—it's all. Your cell membranes, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your cell membranes, your mitochondria—these are the building blocks. They're the delivery mechanism for um, everything. Your energy, your, yes. your proteins, everything, and that's that's why it's, I call it optimized fat metabolism because that's the the other half of OFM. It's the the first part is the energy delivery, the second part is the life delivery, and. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying about giving people all the sugar in the hospital, it like, you know, all the hospital ever sees is people with pretty much deranged metabolism where they're sugar junkies. Plus, they're in distress, which means the, at that time they're meant to be burning sugar. So it kind yes. of fits, it kind of fits in the construct.
1: Yeah, but most of them are insulin resistant. I mean, we see our trauma patients, young, healthy, even fit people. Like Olympic athletes, if they are in a car accident and they have some significant injuries, their blood glucose will go up. I mean, it's just, that's what happens. I mean, and um, it's a a natural thing. Your body is under total survival mode, stressed out. So, But the beauty of what you can learn through optimized fat metabolism is how to navigate those stressful times uh, much more, um, you know, much better. Well, and, let's
0: talk about that. Yeah, because um, you, you're 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 dialed in with this, and and you talked about the total performance, and that's that's one of the things a lot of people uh, relay back to me is under times of real stress, they maintain that focus and calm under duress.
1: Yes, yes, it's much easier, and it's a good thing too that you don't have to eat constantly. <laughs> that's one of the simple things because you're so busy, you know, but you do. Um, I think when you sleep, you sleep better, even though you're not getting as much sleep. When you um, can rest, you rest uh, better. You have a calmer mind. Uh, The mental focus effects of eating well and optimizing your fat metabolism are well documented. You know, so much of this work has been done and supported by the Department of Defense because they have, as we know... Special ops guys who have to work in austere conditions, extreme conditions, and they are phenomenal athletes. And to mitigate the effects of the stress of those environments, uh, OFM just makes people more durable. I mean, it's it's a bottom line. The data is there. Um, your book, uh, Beyond Keto, Peter, documents beautifully what your athletes are able to accomplish. And if you look at them. Um, they're running endurance events, but as you said, this pandemic and like the schedule that I'm keeping, but also, you know, just life in general, life is one big endurance event, you know, uh, and, uh, we can navigate it so much better and people have to understand it's not just about survival. It's how can you thrive under any circumstance? And that's what is so exciting about what harnessing your Intelligent physiology offers. How can you really thrive no matter what life throws at you? Whether it's you know today it's a pandemic, tomorrow it could be a, a life stressor like a a divorce, a death, um, or it could be uh, your finally your bucket list. You know, going to uh, Everest, right? Or um, like your athlete that made the fastest door-to-door summit of Everest. You know, it was incredible left her house and was back in two weeks. That's like insane. Uh, So that, you know what you have to have to do that? You have to have a Lamborghini of a body. And I like to tell people all the time, you all have Lamborghinis. The problem is your Lamborghini is parked in the garage. It's been ignored and it's covered in dust. The oil hasn't been changed. And so when you take it out, it performs like an old beater because it hasn't been taken care of but oh just give it a couple of months right i i was just telling someone in the icu yesterday because you know we're people are uh sorry i just banged into my mic um people are sending just beautiful outpouring of support for the hospital workers you know is lovely and it's really raising everybody's spirits we just can't eat all the food Uh, that's coming to the hospital. And the gifts, uh, people are sending masks they've made. uh, People are sending, the problem is I can't eat much of any of it because it's, uh, they got a truckload of Gatorade. They got a truckload of um, uh, Panera. It's bread. Uh, There are some salads coming. Uh, Some, one of the local uh, Mexican restaurants sent, um, uh, the bags were just marked carne, pollo, pesci, you know, and it was great because it was, you know, I just ignored the rice and for the most part ate the meat and the fish and some salads came. But I tell, I was just telling one of the nurses, you know, it doesn't take, I said, when you, if you want to start on this path, you have to pay very close attention to your antihypertensive medication and your diabetes medication because it won't take more than 72 hours where you, you probably have to have it adjusted if not eliminated. I mean, the body's that smart and it works that fast. And that's the beauty. And I'm imploring people, tap in, you know, tap in. Yeah, it's going to be tough, you know, right? You, I'm sure you hear it all the time too. People, oh, I love my carbohydrates. Nah, not eating carbohydrates sucks. You know what else sucks? Laying in a hospital in the ICU on a ventilator, like dying. That sucks too. And the pandemic kind of brings it front and center to you. Like there is a real physiologic threat. And the people that will navigate this well will be the people with healthy immune systems. So do yourself a favor. And right now, focus on getting getting stronger so you can navigate this pandemic. But then look out because you're going to be ready to enjoy. A lot of the states are starting to loosen regulations. You're going to get to go outside again uh and you're going to get to enjoy your new body and enjoy your strength and um and then be ready and be really really strong and healthy and not so fearful when the next round comes in the fall you know
0: yeah and we'll we'll talk about that at a later time but you're you're right and and so you know the first step is get the physiological adjustment by getting your diet um You know, adjusted for you and initial, and that's that's just like you talk about the medications. Your body will respond so quickly that just like medications, you're going to have to adjust the diet as you go. But um, as we've talked about, you know, my belief is that being sedentary, as most people are in America, that's actually a disease state, and we're not talking enough about that.
1: Yes, you got to get off the couch, and you know, people have to stop making excuses. I have conversations with people who. No matter what i say they walk around your yard oh my yard's not big enough oh walk around your house oh my house isn't big enough you can actually march in place (laughs) you can go up and down the stairs in your house for 40 minutes i mean it's boring as hell but you can put your headphones on and do it but you can you don't need anything besides your body uh and a space to move around in and if you can't really move you can you can literally march in place you can do you know, I love the workout you give me, Peter, for my call room. You know, I did 25 squats, 25 push-ups, 25 sit-ups, and, and 25 lunges. And four sets of that separated by uh, a few three to five minutes. And I don't always get them all done in a row. I'll come and I'll be tired. I'll be mentally tired. And it's amazing what 25 push-ups does to your brain because by the time I get to like number eight, I can't think of anything else. And just that momentary um, pause in all the stuff that you're thinking about is so healthy for your brain, let alone your your lats and your triceps. And um, it's it's amazing. And you really have to start moving. And if you need help now that you're cloistered with your children, go out in the yard and play with your kids until they get tired. And they will keep you playing for that hour easily. And know that that level of energy is yours on the other side of this venture into OFM. The constant ebb and flow of insulin and glucose doesn't happen so you don't get that constant flow of tired, eat some carbs, you're up for a while, get tired again, eat some more, that constant grazing you get released from the monotony of having to constantly eat and you get released from the physiology of constantly lull of, a lull of energy, you know, so it's, it's amazing, but you have to be willing to think highly enough of yourself to do it and to commit to it.
0: Yeah. And have an open mind because as you said, at the, like you said at the beginning of this, because uh, as you said, in the middle of this podcast you know salt's been demonized cholesterol's been demonized fat's been demonized red meat's been demonized and you have to be open to that alternative that's 180 degrees what uh, from what we've been sold and told um, over decades and and get that physiological shift but then once you get that physiological shift combine it with the kind of aerobic activity that's really going to provide that adaptive stress you need to upregulate the hormones, enzymes, mitochondrial biogenesis that's going to make you um, fitter and stronger. Um, And one of the things that, that we found, and I think, Kathy, you can attest to this, is as you get to that level of fitness of really optimizing your fat metabolism, the window of dietary tolerance also opens way up. So then that restrictiveness becomes a lot less restrictive. So if you're sedentary, keto works, but keto is strict.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I love that about OFM, that once you are, I like to say, like metabolically mature, then you've kind of come of age metabolically. You can widen the range of foods that you eat and... That was fun for me, that I could, and it was I think better for me too. As I've learned, women have a little uh, different demand than men, especially some. Oh, a like lot me. different, a lot yeah, different. demand. a woman, <laughs> a woman under severe, significant stress. You know, you actually, when you loosened up my carb load and introduced them at a particular time, and are teaching me now how to use the carbohydrates uh, before stressors and after stressors, it's like amazing how much better I feel and feeling really, really good through this pandemic. I mean, people are like, how can you just be so, feel so good? How can you be in a good mood? Well, because you've eliminated all the things that would put you in a bad mood. And again, it's just a a chemical thing. It's an evolutionary thing. When you're sick, your body wants you to slow down and sit down so you can sleep and rest and recover. And so the better you feel, the better you feel. You know, the better it gets, the better it gets. And, you know, sometimes I run run off the road a little, but then you just can – you have to come back and uh, you learn a little something, right? You always (laughs) – learn. Sometimes you learn more when you, you uh, have an error and then you do when you're on the path. But, uh, it's been amazing. I mean, I remember being so dialed in before the 2017 Mar- Ironman Maryland that I was actually worried that I wasn't, cause I barely had to eat. I was, I barely had to sleep, you know? And so I've been able to talk about enhancing performance it's not just about you know this isn't just for athletes although everybody is an athlete whether you treat your body like that or not everybody's an athlete
0: well it depends on the yeah the challenge and some people are just athletes trying to see how bad they can bludgeon themselves right yeah
1: (laughs) if you think about unless you were were not born to a a human being and and grew up and you can't remember playing on a playground as a four-year-old then that's the person that's not an athlete, but everybody else is an athlete. We just don't normally think of ourselves like that, but we all are. And if we can get back to that four-year-old self in the way we uh, play, in the way we uh, think, that is the gateway to like, you know, utopia in my, in my mind. Um, And uh, OFM really lets you dial in. So you know, I can remember feeling so good. I was like, because you hear people like, oh, make sure you fuel. I'm going to have to be taking in like 1,000 calories an hour. You hear all these people like doing the math and you're like, wait a second. You know, it, I didn't have to do it. Um, I I just, and I, I really race these races on minimal training. And I finish, uh, I finish fun. I know, Peter, you're always telling me, you know, you have to learn to be, comfortable with being uncomfortable because i don't really like ever push anything um because and i'm not trying to hit the podium i'm just trying to have fun out there and i do and i but i come in like usually the top half that year like i almost made top 10 in my age group and i was just kind of out there kind of goofing off you know uh so we were
0: we were making do because of your you know your schedule not you know you weren't you weren't gunning for the podium in your age group, which is a competitive age group. And people who are gunning for that podium, that really is their day job and their their re- their profession is a secondary thing. Whereas you're working all these strange shifts and right. hours and a high stress job. So we had to make it make do, and and still and I you crashed were... my I
1: even crashed my bike in that one, got a pretty nice concussion, and and again because the the I believe the injured brain likes ketones, I was like treating myself. As I continue to race, if you think about it, you know, Yep. so, um, yeah, this offers so much, you know, being well and being physiologically, uh, mature is, uh, a gift in and of itself. And it just, I think opens the door to levels of performance for mind and body that we don't even, we haven't even tapped into yet.
0: Right. And that performance trans- translates into a, a level of health that um, isn't really currently being described because the, the medical books are, in my opinion, of course, this is my opinion, they're looking at the standard they've seen, which is based on a carbohydrate based physiology. So it's, it's sort of skewed the whole physiology and metabolism um, towards disease control rather than freedom of it.
1: Yeah, and I think you only have to look back to ancient cultures and ancient tradition, you know, where like the fattiest part of meat was the reserved for the, the the king, you know, and the just the really modern introduction of these uh high glycemic uh very cheap to produce um carbohydrates to understand that it's been more of a cultural phenomenal phenomenon rather than anything based in on the science of physiology
0: yeah yeah well anything else uh, you have to say to people out there with both with the overall picture which is really what this is about and how we can um uh, transit this, this whole situation we're in because I think we're, we're, we're getting ready to start to come out of it. I'm, are you seeing things start to kind of flatten out there yes, in your definitely. part of the world? Definitely. You know.
1: I would just tell people that it's very simple. No matter what befalls you in life or what opportunity presents itself, Because there are lots of opportunities I've had to go do something, and I I couldn't do it. I wasn't physically ready, you know? Um, Hey, we got an extra ticket for such and such a marathon, or hey, we got an extra ticket for the base camp trek. You want to go? I wasn't ready. So there's opportunities that present themselves, and there's there's threats that present themselves. The question you have to ask yourself, I think, and the way you need, I would recommend we all live our lives is, the question is are you going in that in that circumstance will you be an asset to yourself and those around you or will you be a liability When if the house is burning down are you going to be a person that carries two people out with you are you going to be a person that has to wait for someone to carry you out and they're putting themselves at risk because you weren't able to self you know carry yourself to self-extricate and your body is set up for survival from that perspective so we just have to hone those natural abilities that we, we we are naturally born to be Tarzan and we don't live like that and it's a squandered gift because you know what don't you think it feels good to be Tarzan let's go run through the woods, swing from the vines, swim a river, maybe not wrestle an alligator, but just enjoy it. It feels so good to move. Just look at children on the playground. We're like, they like drive us crazy. Cause like, would you sit down already? You know, they, they just, it's our natural way. It's our, our destiny to have healthy, supple, functional bodies. And yeah, not,
0: and, and on top of that, um, have that childlike open mind, the yes. curiosity, not the that doubting. Belief, and, the belief
1: yeah. in yourself. Remember when you thought you could do anything? And yeah, that's like
0: the Iron Man thing, right? Anything's possible.
1: I know, I just love that about that hashtag that they use, that tagline. Um, and I thought, that's just not only is anything possible everything's possible i mean you if whatever you can conceive of you know so when you think about it we really have sold ourselves short and we've gotten into this this pandemic another gift we have an opportunity to look at those things we don't want to take into the future and i just give you one last imperative please You have to start today if you want to say i'm going to start tomorrow you're already you've already lost because that's your brain subtly telling you i got to get ready to start no you just got to start and there's so many great resources available at OFM at at Vespa Power that program is amazing Um, we work with lots of people who are you know navigating in tandem with us with programs that enhance, you know, synergize with what we're doing. Um, But the bottom line is all we're doing is helping you wake up and see the power that you have, your physiology, and the way you eat and the way you move and the way you think means everything. So you have to love yourself enough. And, you know, I don't like the idea of a welfare state for our government you don't need the government. You're an entrepreneur, right? Everybody's an, every every four-year-old is an entrepreneur. Look at the lemonade stand, right? And um, truly, I don't want a medical welfare state either. Stop looking to your doctor and to big medicine and big pharma to get you healthy or keep you healthy. It's up to you. And you can do it. And we can help.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we can't, you know, and that's the whole point is don't cede your, your rights and responsibility to a governing body or some entity because you're, you're, once you do that, you're, you're sacrificing yourself and, and the current state of the medical situation is a, is pretty good evidence of that.
1: Yes, the, if you look at the evolution of the human body over the last 50 to 60 years. Um, <laughs> you will see the abject failure of medicine in leading the way to health. And what we have done is don't accept what's usual to be what's normal. What's normal is now what we consider miraculous, which is Olympic performance. And everybody can pretty much perform at probably at least 15% off Olympic performance easily uh by instituting a program of healthy eating the way we define it and functional movement the way we define it and uh it doesn't take a lot of time and it actually will be even more economical because you don't eat as much and what you eat is more wholesome and you feel great and everybody wants to feel good
0: yeah well, Kathy, uh, thanks very much, folks. Uh, this is Kathy, Dr. Kathy Dudick. So do do what Dr. Kathy says, tells you to do. Uh, you don't have to listen to me, I'm nuts, but that's, that's part of what the teamwork's all about. And, and Kathy's been a very um, valuable asset for me in our conversations and, and yeah, she's part of the team. Um, and we're, we're out to change the world. So Kathy, thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Peter. Thank you for what you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, for your courageous and uh, outspokenness and your um, willingness to, um, you know, speak the truth from where I see it and, uh, and model. Uh, I appreciate what you've done to help me uh, improve my life. And, um, and I appreciate you guys having me on Uh, this podcast today. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, I think it's important because, you know, you're living and breathing it um, in a way that if people can't get it from your perspective, they're just not going to get it because you're, like I said, you're right in the middle of of this every day, not just with COVID, but with, you know, your career as a, a trauma surgeon and former trauma director. So, Thanks very much, Kathy. Let's uh, keep not only keep the conversation going, but the work.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it with you. I got All you. All right.
0: All right. Thanks very much.
1: All right. Thanks. Have a great day.
0: You are listening to Food for
1: Thought, the OFM podcast, sponsored by Vespa.